You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Now that your picture's in the paper being rhythmically admired, you can have it a one that you have ever desired. All you gotta tell me now is wow, 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 wow. Welcome to the working week. Oh, I know it don't thrill you. I hope it don't kill you. Welcome to the working week. You gotta do it till you do it till you better get to it. I'll have your family as your kill to survive. And this the waiting for their big day to arrive. But if they do, I feel they better be alive. Welcome to the working week. Oh, I know it don't thrill you. I hope it don't kill you. All right, for this episode, we'll be talking about Elvis Costello, My Aim is True. On the line, I have Rob. What's up? Ben. Hello. And Kyle. Hi there. My Aim is True is the de- debut album by English singer-songwriter Elvis Costello, released on the 22nd of July, 1977, on the stiff uh, record labels in the UK and Columbia Records in the US. The producer was Nick Lowe, and the genre is new wave, pub rock, punk rock, power pop. From All Music Review, Stephen Thomas Irwine. Elvis Costello was a, as much a pub rocker as he was a punk rocker, and nowhere is that more evident than his debut, My Aim is True. It's not just that Clover, a San Franciscan rock outfit led by Huey Lewis, absent here, backed him here, not the attractions. It's that his sensibility is borrowed from the pile-driving rock and roll and folksy introspective of pub rockers, adding touches of cult singer-songwriters like Randy Newman and David Eccles. Then there's the infusion of pure nastiness and cynical humor, which is pure Costello. That blend of classist sensibilities and cleverness make this collection of shiny roots rock a punk record. It informs his nervy performances and his prickly songs. Of all classic punk debuts, this remains perhaps the most idiosyncratic because it's not cathartic in sound, only in spirit, which is, of course, meant that it could be played to a broader audience, and Linda Ronstadt did indeed cover the standout ballad, Allison. Still, there's no mistaking this for anything other than a punk record, and that's a terrific one at that, since even if he uh, blurs his singer-songwriter inclinations, they shine through as brilliantly as his cheerful, mean humor and immense musical skill. He sounds as comfortable with a 50s knockoff like No Dancing as he does on the reggae uh, infected less than zero. Costello went on to more ambitious territory fairly quickly, but My Aim is True is a f- phenomenal debut, capturing a songwriter and musician whose words were as rich and clever as his music. All right, what do we think of My Aim is True by Elvis Costello? This album reminds me a lot of how I felt listening to that first Tom Petty album. Where Interesting. It's, yeah. it's an artist that I... I like a lot and both times it's just kind of the Elvis also he he's like he he doesn't have the attractions or the heartbreakers so he's already at a bit of a disadvantage because you know there's pairing him up with with a clover but it just feels like like they're they they've got something and they're still trying to figure out what that thing is in both of those artists pretty shortly after their debut albums 
they seem to hone in on what their thing is and they kind of just really get I don't know, musical traction at that point. I think this album has good songs on it. I think it's also got weak songs on it. I think Clover is a fine band, but I don't think they're the best band for Elvis, especially since I know who he's about to put together, like just mere months after this, you know? Yeah. And and, and to, to your, to your point with that, like, even Elvis Costello went in and re-recorded all of these songs with the attractions like less than a year later so they could put this record out again with a band he wanted to play with and was excited about playing with after the first run got sold out. Like, and the, I'm not trying, I also am not dissing Clover on this, but like you, you can tell like he's not as comfortable as he is come, you know, next year's girl or whatever. Like, you know, and- I don't think Clover knows how to be Elvis Costello's band. I think that they've been a band for a while. They were a psychedelic band in the 60s. They kind of went the California country route. And now they're kind of like a band for hire a little bit. And, and, you know, and Huey Lewis has joined. Uh, He's not on this recording. But that scene is so far removed from the scene of Elvis Costello and his peers, even on stiff records, mm-hmm. you know, you know st- stiff records. They're not the most punk punk label they, they, they've got those crossover acts like reckless Eric and Nick Lowe, like those like half pub rock, half punk rock hybrids. It's kind of the, their thing. But I think even Clover is, is a bit too, it, they're not angular enough to really, they're not aggressive and angular enough to really fit in with, I think what, Elvis Costello is, is trying to do with his sound, you know? Yeah, it could be a lot too that Elvis, uh, I mean, he was, he still had a job. These are newer songs. It's not like you were saying, it's not fully developed at, and maybe he is still fleshing out exactly what he's, he's doing. Um, he had these songs for quite a while before this album came out and he kept working and working them. But it's true when you get when you get to it it does feel a bit like something is not quite there there's something that whereas in his his later albums he'll feel perfectly comfortable and it's maybe it's because it needed to get it, it was a bit of a rough start and and it just uh, blossomed from there but i hear what you're saying with it, it being still i think this is a fantastic debut and has a like a lot of good songs very mm-hmm. even if the songs aren't maybe executed as 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 well as they could be i think the ideas are are definitely there and his writing is is something that is uh that kind of elevates him a among his peers. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, I know that it's either later on in 77 or maybe early 78 that he rolls out with uh, uh, this year's model. And just like these sonic differences between uh, my name is true. And, and is it this year's model? Is it next year's model? I think it's this year's year's model. model. Yeah. Is like fr- like the, the band to the production like uh like this year's model you hit play in it you drop the needle on it and it just comes out swinging yeah and 
and you know, and it also goes back to that album was my introduction. So then to work back backward from that, I find this one a little bit lacking, even though I, I, I do like a lot of the songs on it. You know, I just, I feel like I've come to expect the excitement that I get from Elvis Costello and the attractions. I mean, this, this sounds like six, four hour sessions at midnight, like to record it. And yeah, it was it took yeah. it, tw- 24 hours g- gave us this. And, you know, I would do way, way worse with 24 hours. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm not trying to shit on like the output, but it, it's just not as exciting as his follow-up record, but there are really good songs on here. And Kyle, I, I keep, keep feeling like I'm talking right before you you want to pipe in. So I'm going to shut up now. Hey, I'm just listening to you dudes. Um, I actually, I've heard all of these singles. I mean, Allison, you know, red shoes, uh, watching the detectives. I've always loved these songs, but I've never sat down to listen to this record. Um, and I hate to be that guy, but it does sound a lot like the first Beatles record. In so far as it was recorded really raw and like in a very short amount of time. Um, and it's very just earnest and rocking. Um, yeah, I really enjoy this record. Yeah, there was a lot of weird things about the release of this record too, which but also did you this is one thing I knew from the SNL book. Did you guys know about how Elvis Costello got banned from SNL? Dude, that's one of my favorite stories. Okay. Do you, would you like to tell it? I'll tell it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Elvis Costello, uh, he was booked to do Saturday Night Live. Actually, he was the backup band. I forget who was initially booked. Uh, someone had to... Uh, it was the Sex Pistols. Sex Pistols were booked. And then they asked the Ramones, and the Ramones said, uh, we're not a replacement band. That's awesome. Which sounds like Johnny. <laughs> yes. But, uh, so they got Elvis Costello on, and this is in between... It's in between the release of this album and uh, and the release of uh, this year's model, which I believe is in the cans at that point, but not yet released. And also he's now with uh, with the attractions. So he's supposed to play less than zero. Uh, Elvis wants to play Radio Radio because it's his new song that he's excited about. He's told that he can't play radio radio specifically by, by like Lauren Michaels and a few other people, you know, because the song's calling out the uh, uh, broadcasting companies like the one that is giving him this chance to shine right now. Another reason that he, he didn't think that less than zero really resonated well with American audiences. Uh, He's got some, more British and Eurocentric references in it that he just thought were going over the head. And it's true. I, 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 I didn't get his reference uh, with the, with the, the guy with the swastika tattoo, Oswald, something yeah. Oswald. Oswald uh, so yeah. So he does the thing. He goes into less than zero and then like five or 10 seconds into the song, he kind of has a bit of a freak out. He stops playing. He turns around, shouts at his band for everyone to stop playing. You're like, stop, stop, cut it out, cut it out. And his band just like rattles to a halt on live television. And he goes, radio, radio, one, two, three, four. And they just kick into radio, radio and shred through it. He's playing, they're playing it like, they're playing it like they're about to get banned for 12 years. He was banned until 1989. Uh, anyone see the footage of his, his, when he finally was able to come back? Yeah, he was playing, uh, he playing Pump It Up. Now, well, I think it was uh, Beastie Boys were the musical guest, and Beastie Boys start playing Sabotage. Uh, 
and Elvis Costello runs out on the stage. He goes, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. I'm sorry, but there's no reason to be playing that song tonight. He goes, radio, radio, one, two, three, four. And the Beastie Boys, <laughs> who are already behind their instruments because they're playing Sabotage, just go into radio, radio, and play it with Elvis Costello singing. What? So fucking cool. <laughs> it's awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I think I still have that on a VHS somewhere. Uh, I, I did learn this week. I had always, I mean, I'd seen the video. I had read that story. I didn't realize, though, that he he had absolutely planned it, obviously. Uh, I had always suspected that he had planned out that they were going to do that, and he had told his band ahead of time. But I didn't know that it was inspired by a live performance um, on BBC's Lulu show in 1969 when Jimi Hendrix had scrapped a performance of Hey Joe after playing a few bars and instead did an impromptu tribute to Cream, who had broken up just days before. I'd, That's I'd, cool. I had no idea wow. that it was a... Uh, he, he had like, well, if Jimmy can do it, I'll do it <laughs> sort of scenario. So he... So I haven't seen this footage, but I'm assuming that uh, he stopped playing Hey Joe and then just did like seven minutes of just the opening riff to Sunshine of Your Love, right? (laughs) (laughs) Just like he's sitting at Guitar Center. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, this I can't remember. I, I bought this album the same time I bought uh, this year's model years ago. Um, and you're right. I do put on this year's model, you know, twice as much as I put this album on. This album still has. Don't get me wrong. I'll put on Al- Allison. Uh, I love that song, man. A- Anzel, Perfect song. Uh, Red Shoes. Even mystery dance is fun sometimes. Um, although I think the attractions really kind of kick it into high gear when they play it. Even waiting mm-hmm. for the end of the world and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's got a lot of great songs on it, but it's just, you're right. It does have a, a bit of, it's the introduction. We kind of talked about this uh, when we discussed the clash and how the, the first clash record is, amazing it's unbelievable you know they they made great songs but at the same time you can feel just a bit of jitters or or it just doesn't quite get there and and maybe that's just because we're looking in hindsight and we know what's coming up and we know how good they they will progress to be like that first uh talking heads record yeah yeah absolutely yeah, but I think it's important to have in the book, um, especially for the singles. Like, like I was saying, "Welcome to the Working Week," Allison, uh, "Blame It on Kane." Even I mean, there's every every song on here is 
pretty good in my opinion. How yeah. birdsy is that jangly 12 string oh on uh, red shoes? <laughs> I, was gonna, intro. I was gonna bring up the birds because I feel like the backing band is is he got them in the studio and he's like, Yeah, you like the birds, right? So can let's just do this. They're a psychedelic band from California from the 60s. They're like, oh, we can do birds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've been doing that anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I could see that, Birch. Uh, just picturing them in the studio, trying to find uh, like an intersection of common ground of where they want their sounds to be. And Elvis being like, uh, it, just do it like a bird's thing. You know? <laughs> Has anyone here seen uh, Elvis Elvis Costello live? A couple times. Yeah? I have not. Yeah. How was mm-hmm. it? It was good. Uh, <laughs> one time he was opening for Bob Dylan. I thought that was, he, it was really good. It didn't have the attractions. Um, Is that in Bloomington? Yeah, it was. I heard yeah. he blew Dylan out of the water. Oh, well, yeah, I think I, I probably told you that, too. Uh, probably. Yeah, he was he was fantastic. It was it was real tight. Um, he played basically by himself. There were a couple songs that he had a couple of backing bands, but he was so tight. The the uh, another time I saw him is <clears throat> last year. Uh, oh, man. Here in Louisville. And I will tell you, it made me seriously question if I want to see him again, because it was a lot of older. It was an older crowd, which I don't mind. It shows, but it seemed like he was a step behind. Every song was and And I say that as someone who has seen Leonard Cohen uh, maybe two years before he died. And Leonard Cohen was definitely not a step behind. He was right on with with what his performance, but something about the Elvis Costello performance was just a little, it just didn't feel like it was, it just didn't have the sort of magic that you, you kind of hmm. expect from a performer of that caliber, um, to, to, to bring, it wasn't bad by any stretch, but at the same time, I, I, I kind of thought, eh. where was the show? It was at, uh, the palace. Oh yeah. Hmm. So good setting. Yeah. Very good setting. We're pretty close. Uh, we were in a balcony, but we we're pretty far up in the balcony. There was one dude that kept looking at his phone and I was just like, Oh, this guy. It could also be that we saw Slayer the week before and it's, <laughs> it's a tough act to follow. It's hard to follow. And we had, we had been seeing a couple acts actually. We'd been seeing, we saw hot snakes. We saw like a couple other bands that were just very, very good. And for some reason, it, it just didn't uh, just didn't hit. And remember live music? Yeah, I do. That's really that nice. That was nice. I will say, though, I mean, if you haven't seen him, go see him. 100%. It's just that he also had this projection of, uh, you know, a lot of musicians use projectors in the background to kind of enhance the show, to show, to elevate the song so you can you know, see things while they're performing, but it looked like someone had just kind of scraped it together in PowerPoint. Maybe one of his, you know, young cousins or somebody had just kind of, <laughs> kind of put Man, this I thing think, together and, and displayed it. And it, it just didn't really work out. I think that Mike Love may have hired the same guy for, for the, the Beach Boys one. Oh my God. Yeah, it was just, it, yeah, it was just like pixelated PowerPoint pictures of John Stamos. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. 
holding his two tambourines. That's the minimum amount of tambourines if you're going to play Kokomo. Yeah. (laughs) I did think it was interesting that Elvis Costello, he initially, they wanted him to uh, be a songwriter for David uh, Edmonds and then also suggested he share a debut with Reckless Eric. Uh, but after he had, you know, written these songs and they realized, oh, he's he can do it, that they they then conceded and said, OK, you can go ahead and do your own solo album. But is that a thing? Split LPs like was had, Stiff doing that with other people? I hadn't really heard that, but apparently that was a, that was something that they had thought. Maybe they thought that it was a A side, B side situation. Yeah, where, it was the 70s. I mean, it's it's like a predecessor of like the like the label comp. You know, like the the fat music for fat people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They didn't. Th- th- well, I guess they there were a couple labels that were doing comps like that. But the debut kind of threw me for a loop. Yeah, that's that's strange. I also thought it, I mean, it was interesting to me because he could have easily just been a songwriter. He he didn't have to necessarily be the performer. I I think he could have made an entire career out of just writing songs. Could have. And the the cover photo, in, in fact, the whole cover of My Name Is True, pretty pretty iconic. Mm-hmm. Like Elvis yeah. Costello, he's uh he, he with, is already with, with those Buddy Holly glasses. You know, he's already kind of has a signature look. But yeah, just like that that weird pose like the knees inward uh with the guitar and that checkerboard background and doing it in those like flat colors like uh like almost like screen prints uh it's just it's a real striking cover and they've done it in a few different cover colors i think right yeah absolutely i i i didn't realize i don't know if he totally came up with that but it did say that david robinson jake uh riviera who are uh stiff record owners they, they, it said that they constructed his proto geek image, like the sort of big glasses and a uh, Buddy Holly esque look for the promotional purposes. But I think that, I mean, he continued with that look for years. Well, it worked for him. Yeah, it still works for him. And 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 like fast forward to the nineties, it's like a like a it's a whole Luke. You know, like go up to like to to like Weezer and the Rentals and all these other bands like. It's like it took a second for the, that proto proto geek chic proto geek chic to to catch on, but like yeah, like but like by the time I was getting into music, it was very much a style, you know. And yeah, then I remember, I remember that's true, but yeah, that's true. Well, he definitely started the glasses thing. Well, and he pre- he pre- presented witty rye wit and power pop in a That's way that those bands true. absolutely picked up on. So uh, Elvis Costello is just the stepping stone from Buddy Holly to Weezer. Yeah. I could, I could, I could say a trajectory. Yeah. And it helps that, you know, Weezer's first hit w- uh, was just saying with their, their, they're citing their sources. <laughs> <laughs> sweaters. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <cow> sweaters. sweaters. <laughs> Uh, with the amount of Elvis that we're getting in this book, I don't know if I would have put this one in. Okay. Okay. I, 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 I guess 
I, I guess I'm trying to justify whether like th- th- this is a good this is it's a it's a fine record, but it's not my favorite Elvis Costello record. And like if it, if it was the only one in here, I would have to go. Okay, well, yeah, we're we're, we're keeping it. But yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think they're doing right by uh, Elvis Costello. Maybe a little over over a bit. I could see three, possibly four. In my opinion, what Three. would I, I? I'm not a uh, Elvis Costello. Uh, uh, was completist, so I, I I know that we're getting like six of his albums. I only am really familiar with like three of his albums, and I think all three of those are included. So I have no idea, like if what they're doing in the eighties. Well, 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 yeah, I guess. Like, it's weird because like. I would be if this was the only Elvis Costello album we were getting, much like the Tom Petty one. I would be like, "Oh yeah, absolutely." But if we're getting six of them, and this one, I'm feel a a little like I of the ones I can compare it to. I know that I like other ones better. So then, be like, "Oh man, maybe uh maybe this one doesn't belong." But then, like, there's three more that I haven't even heard. So like, I if there is dead weight, I don't know. I don't. I don't I feel like I don't yet have the perspective to know whether or not this is the dead weight, but uh, this, this album's uh, don't get me wrong. This album's not dead weight. I don't know. I've already said, I've already said my opinion on it, I guess, you know, okay. oh, I used to be disgusted, and I try to be Uh, is everybody positive on this, or do we That's have any? I don't know. Neutral. Ooh, yeah. okay, okay. I don't know if I would recommend it. Well, I, I wouldn't. Rec- I, I I I wouldn't come out of the gates and recommend this as like what I prefer in Elvis Costello. Like if right. someone was going to ask, like, "Hey, should I listen to an Elvis Costello record?" I wouldn't pick this one. Right. If someone's like, "Hey, I'm I'm thinking about. I've heard good things about Elvis Costello. Uh, and if they were holding a copy of My Aim Is True at this record store that has everything." I'd be like, man, if you're only getting one, actually put down that one and pick up this year's model. And so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I would hate to go medium on it or neutral on it. And then, uh, and then I don't know, a few years down the road when we finally covered six Elvis Costello albums, uh, find out that I was, I was just too hard on it. No, just but if, what you're feeling now. Yeah, well, right one. now I'm right now. You know, th- this is a good album. Uh, Elvis Costello is a great artist. There's good songs on this record, and it's definitely worth li- worth listening to. Uh, I can't. I, I wouldn't recommend this one as my entry point to, to Elvis Costello. I'm 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 going to go neutral on it. Okay, what do you think, Rob? I'm I'm also going neutral. Um, it's good, but it's not. It it, it in. What I th- I think in maybe like the next six episodes we're gonna get a much better to my ears Elvis Costello record so yeah no I'm I'm gonna have to go neutral it's 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 fine if you're a completist go for it like there's there's some great singles on here but I just think the attractions do it 
way better. I wish I had been able to hear that version of this album that he recorded with the attractions. And no one has. Never released I don't know when. Never ever. Why not do like a like a forty year anniversary double disc? You know. Come on, record store day. Come on, record store day. Sorry, Kyle. Uh, you know, as a newcomer, um, like I said, I liked the singles from this record. I've heard them for like twenty years, but uh, actually sitting down and listening to it, like I, I kind of understand what you guys are saying. I'm still gonna draw that line to uh, the Beatles' first record, which is a great introduction to the Beatles, but it was hastily recorded and is not indicative of their later greatness. But it, it rips, it slaps. This record's great, guys. I mean. There's a reason. I mean, you guys have looked over the the critical notices for this record. It's it's a very allotted record, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. I, I listened to it probably about four times in the past week, and every time it gets better. Yeah, cool. Keep yeah, I'm gonna. Up. I'm also gonna go positive. Um, I don't know. I just I just really like this style. I will say there is a difference for me. Uh, mentioning that first Beatles record, they were doing a lot of covers. For that Beatles record. And these are yeah. all originals. It does have his wit. Maybe it's not as refined, but on songs like Allison, I mean, give me a break. I mean, l- lyrics like, I know this world is killing you. You know, my aim is true, which I was thinking about today too, about the title of this album. And it has two, it has a dual meaning. Um, which I hadn't really considered before, meaning my aim is true, uh, that my intentions are true, but also my aim is true as if I'm firing an arrow at you or a gun or something, and my aim is accurate, you know, that I will hit mm-hmm. you. It's It's got a lot of thing, little things like that where I come back and I, I hear these lyrics. It's uh, A lot of the lyrics are a bit biting and... Uh, malevolent in some undercurrent way, but it's cool. I, I really like Elvis Costello, so yeah, total positive for me. Cool. Do you think that Elvis Costello looks back at these recording sessions decades later and he's like, why didn't I use Huey Lewis? <laughs> uh, he obviously had some some regrets uh, for well, he, he described recording this, you know, as very difficult as if it was in a phone booth and he was still working at the time. I mean, he he lays out that he was not completely pleased with this album. One. Absolutely. But at the same time, it's one of those things you just it's a good record. It's a good, you know, if you're going to have a punk rock, you know, record that is just hastily put together in 24 hours i mean you can't get much better but yeah it does have does have this flaws all right next time we'll be talking about iggy pop lust for life all right thanks y'all i'm not gonna get too sentimental like those other stick of valentines because i don't know if you are loving somebody Well, this world is killing